0: This week, we're going to talk about Vince Carter, who is officially retired. Then we're going to get into Kristaps Porzingis and the Mavericks' future. What kind of look is it going to be? He comes into the corner for the win. Yes!
1: Yes! Do you believe it? Vince Carter gets it done for the Mavericks!
0: Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast as part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Tim Cato, the Mavericks beat writer for The Athletic, and with me this week, like most weeks, Dave Dufour. How are you? I'm great. I have I missed? I, have I missed any weeks? Uh, um, trying to think.
1: I missed a couple here and there.
0: Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think so. But yeah. uh, we're not going to expect me you. at this point. Yeah. We're yeah, we're not we're not going to hold you to it. So I think the most uncertainty comes from my uh, my introduction of you each week. And, and yeah, exactly.
1: Well, I sound like the un the non permanent co host. That's what we'll start right.
0: calling me. Yeah. Well, you never know when <laughs> you know. I might. What's the What's the? Um, I think it's a Bojack Horseman bit, and it's uh, Todd for anybody who knows. Is like um, he's in the symphony, and he's he's got like this you know just obviously ridiculous uh part where he just like rings the um the symbol the the the, the little thing the little triangle the that triangle. you the triangle yeah the triangle mm-hmm. and like yeah just like this one tiny part um and it's a riff off something um but but basically the guy is like every time i i look over you know and and you have this crucial part at the very end of the symphony and i look over and i just hope you're not there cuz i hope you're <laughs> you're out doing something better i hope that I hope that your life has just taking you in this direction, and, and that 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 you you have you have evolved beyond the need for you know this one tiny crucial part. And it's a riff off something, and I wish I could I wish I could tell you what it's a riff off of. Um,
1: I will say that as a percussionist, the triangle is a very important instrument in a lot of pieces. So yes, yeah, extremely you, important. You can't
0: you can't you can't do that that fake Bojack Horseman our animated symphony without. Um, without Todd at the end ringing the, the, the triangle one single time. That, uh, I, so, <laughs> it's, it's like an ice cream sundae without a without a cherry on top. Like, what's the point? It's ruined.
1: Yeah, I was a percussionist in high school, and I, I distinctly remember having to run over to where the triangle was uh, for some Christmas concert because, you know, we only had two guys in the percussion section trying Do to cover, think- like, 12 <laughs> instruments. It was nuts. <laughs> I Do was think- playing the timpani, the triangle, and... And something else, uh, marimba or something like that, and they were not close to each other at all.
0: <laughs> oh man, do you think Vince yeah. Carter ever played a uh, in high school band? You know what? Was it? Didn't he play the trumpet or something? At I feel it. like
1: Vince definitely played. He played some instrument because I'm old enough to remember when Vince was at
0: North Carolina. <laughs> well, he officially retired this week, which is a kind of fake news cycle thing because we knew he was going to retire because he told us this was going to be his last year um but because he you know it was officially announced yesterday this has allowed for a vince carter news cycle and as deservedly so we all deserve to talk about vince so now that he's officially retired maybe he can start back up play the trumpet some more
1: <laughs> i don't know if it was a trumpet, maybe it was a saxophone <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. It's something he played something. Um, at I mean, UNC, you know, most though, or are we talking? Do. We still talking oh, high no, school. High like school. You would see, there's
0: no he at time. Yeah, yeah.
1: Most people played something in high school, but That's uh, true. I mean, I, like the guy was just incredible. It, it's amazing that his career like has lasted so long. You know, I graduated from high school in
0: 1999. Yeah, it's insane. So there's there's two things that jump to mind um, when I think about his his three years with the Mavericks. Um, the the first is that I think Vince made the transition from star to role player better than maybe almost anybody else in league history. Mm-hmm. That he was a number one option, create his own shot, isolation. I will take the most shots. I will score the most points. He was that player for a decade, mm-hmm. um, and he was really good at it. You know, he had you know some some flaws. You know, he had some. You know, he got ran out of Toronto, you know, there, obviously there's, you know, I think the first 10 years are complicated and I'm not the right person to sum, sum that up, but he was a very good player that first decade. Oh yeah. And then he went to, I I think it was probably Orlando that bridged the gap was, did Phoenix come before or after Orlando?
1: I think it was after.
0: I I, I remember Orlando was when he, you know, clearly was not the best player anymore. He was a very good player, but not the player um it was that yeah phoenix was was right after orlando okay it was Well, orlando was that dwight howard team right yeah Mm -hmm. and then i think phoenix is when you know he really moved into that role player role and then dallas was right after that Mm -hmm. and in dallas he came off the bench more often than he started and i don't know how much people know this i think people who listen to me i talk about this a lot um, but i don't know if the casual mavericks fans realize or remember how good he was he was Pretty much the third best player on a lot of those teams, second or third. Like, like there is a case that he was the best player behind Dirk yeah. on at least two of those three teams. Well, he at, at thirty six years old, too. Was he that old? He wasn't quite that old. 13? 12, 13. 12, 13. Because I guess yeah. he's well, he would have been like thirty. But any, anyway, like yeah, he was, yeah. he was, he was mid thirties and still balling out and still just such a reliable, consistent player. Uh, you know, there's, I remember some games where just his three-pointer wasn't going down, but, uh, just in general, like he was just a smart winning player. We talk about players who, you know, have, you, you just look at them and they have good plus minuses and, and on off court numbers, and you can identify some of the reason that is and not, maybe not always. He was one of those players who just at that point in his career, he knew how to win. He knew what to do on the court to make your team win. And when he was on the court, your team was more likely than not going to be winning and he was just so important to those teams and, and, mm-hmm. and just a crucial and you know, I was I remember being bummed out that it, it was only three years. I don't remember why or if the Mavericks wanted him back. I, I think it was a, a pretty um unanimous, uh synonymous uh departure that he wanted to do something else and, and they, they were not tied to him. But those three years were great. And then so so that's the first thing I remember, just how in Dallas he was that role player and how it just represented you know, of course, that 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 split of his career, that that very clean um, split, which which most stars can't do. A lot of stars still can't do that. Like mm-hmm. we saw Carmelo go out of the league for a year because he yeah. couldn't do the role player thing, and, and it took him a year, you know a year out of the league to come back and kind of be able to to fill that role better than he was before. Well, I, so it was also the
1: this was the last few years uh, of his career where he was actually a useful player. Yeah, um, you know the That's last. The last five or six years. He he's like since he left Dallas basically, he's been um you could almost say he's been on a retirement tour as far as his production goes. You know, uh he had one season in Memphis, uh where he was playing like twenty four minutes a game at age forty. Right. that that, you know, that's an aberration. <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean the the Dallas years really were the last years of of his productive NBA career where he was, you know, doing good stuff. I mean that twelve thirteen season at at thirty six years old was playing twenty six minutes a night, put up thirteen points a game. That's pretty yeah. incredible. In in yeah. like NBA history. Not a lot of guys that age um doing the that kind of uh production and yeah. pretty efficient.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're 100 percent right. I I also pulled up his his stats and and mm-hmm. yeah, I was I I forget that he was actually as old as you were saying in, in Dallas yeah. that that he was 30, you know, turning 37 that that last year. Um, I also forget like, like I think of of players playing into their 40s, and I think of Dirk who hit you know I think hit 41 right at the end or, or mm-hmm. was almost 41. Yeah, he's yeah. 43. Vince is 43. 40 like that's a, that's another level of playing into your 40s. Just just <laughs> the right. absurd absurd amount of. <laughs> That's that's ridiculous. Um,
1: so the and, other thing, by the way, uh, kept yeah. uh, kept so much of his athleticism. You know, this is one of the the most athletic guys, uh, at least like that you could just see, like the the athleticism always popped out at you. And he maintained so much of his athleticism, like he really took care of his body, which is part of why he was able to play and, and you know stay in the league for the last six years. I'm not going to say stay productive. 'Cause it's hard to call what he's been doing, you know, necessarily productive. And it's, I, and it's not a knock. It's just this is the you know, the point of his career that he was. He was at. he
0: was still good even two seasons ago with Atlanta. You know, he yeah, but, almost, I mean, but yeah, he got like a different type of player. He wasn't he, doing what he was doing in Dallas, where he was correct. a crucial part of the team. Correct. Right. Right. But you know, shout out to anybody who can hit who can hit forty percent of his threes and, you know, four a game yeah. in eighteen minutes. Like he was still, mm-hmm. you know, a like he probably that year in Atlanta, he could have transferred to a playoff team in, in, in Factored into the rotation in 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 the same role and you know sixteen minutes a night, but right, I right. I truly believe that like he was. he could still have been your effective. eighth and eighth or ninth man. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a bummer that it ended up being that his his last two years were Atlanta and you know the year before that was Sacramento and just was a bunch of nothing teams and and mm-hmm. you know just a shame. Um, the other thing I remember from his Dallas tenure is, I mean, you can guess it. You know what I'm about to say. I the, have the no shot. idea. The shot. Oh, the shot. Yeah, the the he mm-hmm. hit in Game 3 of the 2014 Mavericks-Spurs series. I was in the building that night. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I guess, I, I think I'd driven down for Game 1, and then that was, I didn't go to Game 2, Game 3 at home. I was up in the, uh, in the, in the press box, so way up in the rafters. I don't remember my exact thoughts when that went through. I mean, just kind of a shock. I do remember that most of the press box, and they, to be fair, they put a lot of the more fan bloggers up there, and that that was me as well. I was writing for Mas Moneyball. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was not by no means a slight, but a lot of the people up there just exploded and went up and started cheering. And I remember thinking, I can't do that. I'm trying to be a serious journalist, so instead, I went to I I went to Twitter. And I just like slammed my keyboard for like five seconds, like literally gibberish, and I just tweeted gibberish um so that was that was my emotional reaction to be quote unquote professional without jeopardizing you know the ethics of of uh, <laughs> of being a biased un- unbiased journalist and all that and you know even now you know I think that's a it's a nuanced thing, and it's it's uh it's a little silly to pretend that we don't have biases, but uh in that moment, I remember just literally. Just I wish I, I actually tried to go back and find the tweet. I, I might have deleted it, but it was it was like uh eighty characters of just me hating the keyboard and hating send because that was that was my that was what I wanted to do. Um, that's what I wanted to jump up and do. So I was like, let me just do it on Twitter instead.
1: Yeah, that, that uh, so that 2014 Spurs team I think is the greatest basketball team to ever play in the NBA. Wow. Yeah! Wow. I mean, I'm we're, I we're gonna move on. Take. We
0: don't have time to sidebar that, but, but we don't have we don't I, have time. Like
1: that's not a hot take
0: at all. Um, we don't, we don't have time, but but that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, but I mean, on. I I watched all that playoff
1: uh, from Germany, and I, I remember Vince in that shot. Um, you know, it was like I don't know three a.m. or something like that, and uh, man, it was it was massive. Um, yeah, sad. It, it's, it's sad, but but with that being said, I mean, you know, time to move on. Yeah. Yeah, it was, 40, it was 43 a, is impressive, man. Like, the fact that, like, I mean, I know at 39 what it feels like to wake up in the morning. Um, for the fact that he was still playing NBA basketball at 43 is just incredibly impressive. I mean, I'm 26 and I feel old,
0: so he's uh, okay. Well, yeah, you're older than me at 26. I'm, I'm getting he's guess. uh, Vince's, Vince's twice my age. Don't, not actually, yeah. don't do the math on that. Um, <clears throat> there's a reason I'm a journalist, not a, not a math major, but uh, but yeah, no. Vince is old, and I am. I am. Uh, I am not. And I am uh, like one ten hundredth of an as as athletic as him. And that might be generous on my part. And he's he's you know got the seventeen years on me or whatever it is. So a very impressive human, a very good person in the time that I knew him. Um, with the media, you know, just a. You know, obviously I can only speak to the person I see, but among people I've been around in locker rooms, and again, I only got him, you know, starting, I I was only around him starting at age 35 when, when he first came to Dallas. So, um, perhaps people, you know, perhaps he, that was just the maturity that, that, that he grew, but he was, he was always amazing to media, always, always took time out, always gave thoughtful answers, um. Seemed to maintain relationships with, with franchises, you know, as many franchises as he went to. He was always coming back to Dallas and saying hi to people and, you know, not just coaches, but staffers and, and people on behind the scenes. And just, you know, I, you've probably all heard him talk. Um, that's one Hall of Fame speech I am ecstatic for, so excited for. Like, he is a very eloquent speaker. Um, just just someone who is, you get engrossed in what they're saying. Um and 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 just you you listen to him, and you're like, "Wow, this guy is someone who uh you know has considered the world and considered his place in the world especially i I think, and, and I think just the self awareness of who he is and him being you know this this world famous superstar athlete but i but I think he also understands that, and he understands why that is, and he he does, he knows that it's you know not only you know in, in a lot of ways like he just ended up being tall and athletic like he put a lot of work in and i don't think he would deny that but i think he's he's very cognizant and smart about who he is and uh and, and i think that's that's cool so maybe i'm reading into things too much and and certainly i'm not a have never profiled him or so i'd love to but i've you know i've never spent one-on-one time with him but that's my impression of, of who he is just from talking to him being around him in, in interviews and, and talking to other people about the type of player he was and type of person he was
1: i always think of Anton Jamison when I think of Vince Carter, just because so much of, you know, I'm from ACC country, um, you know, and watching those two together at, at Carolina, um, I mean, I pretty much saw every single game and uh, you know, that's, that's what I think of from Vince, like, which I know is weird from an NBA guy, but
0: um, yeah, I remember those Carolina teams fondly. So two of the most interesting Maverick cameos ever. <laughs> Antoine Jameson for one year and Vince for three. Just, well, there's, just your players that, <laughs> there's your story. There's your story. It might be. It, that, that's actually interesting. I've never made that connection. Let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about Christoph Porzingis. So this all relates to a series I'm doing on The Athletic. Um, if you're not a subscriber, if you're just listening for free, um, as always, you can go to theathletic.com/slash/seventy-seven minutes in heaven to get forty percent off, which is a pretty damn good discount if you ask me but i'm doing a series where i just look into the future talk about these kind of conceptual questions um and so the first one was does dallas need to add a third superstar or really even a third star is is probably the better way to phrase that and and the second one is is can maverick uh can chris upswezingus be the second best player on a title team and these are not easy questions because i think that to answer them you really have to get in your team building concepts. You have to define what is important to you as a front office, as an organization, as a team. And you have to to kind of think about those things to answer um you know how you're going to move forwards as as a team, what you're going to prioritize. Uh because we're obviously in a crucial 12 to 18 month period for the for the Mavericks as they try to build a dynasty. Um, they they have two young players in place. They have role players, but they want to take it to the next step. And so, um, the Christopher Zingus one isn't quite that. This one is a little more um, granular and and you know just kind of a, a look into to him as a player. We can't predict his injuries. Um, we can't predict it. You know, we we don't know. Obviously, we're we're analysts. We're not psychics, but. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 the question. I think it's an important one. You have to answer whether Porzingis can be the second best player on a title team before you decide do we need another second best player or third best player to add to this this duo to the star duo. So, I've I've rambled, I've set it up. Um I have some more thoughts I'll get into, but Dave, you know, just just first impressions where, where are you on all this and, and specifically on on Kristaps and his ability to you know be you know what 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 is his peak what is his most likely outcome with the Mavericks uh well from a team building perspective I'll start there first like
1: okay. the Mavericks they got the hard part the hard part is getting Luca getting a tier one player is just very hard there's not many of those guys in the league Luca's clearly one of them uh in year two which is pretty incredible because you have to assume that he's gonna get better um and and whether that's better in terms of uh, physical conditioning or just actual talent my assumption is he's going to continue to go up i've seen nothing to make me think that he's hit his ceiling so you've got a tier one guy and that is the most difficult thing to do in the nba porzingis is is trickier because he's not a clear-cut you know top tier player like would you put him in your top 20 probably not right um you you say top 40 now you've got a different conversation and it's you know, when you look at his production and his style of play, and in particular how he fits with Luka, I, I think that, when you know, I, I read your article. I think that you're right. I, I think that Porzingis is good enough to be that second guy for this team. The What he does on the offensive end of the court for them with with the way he can score, you know, multi-level scorer, fits really, really well next to their best player who... You know, in a couple years, might be the best player in the league. Like that's important. Um, Getting him earlier in his career, so those guys actually get to play together longer. Also important. Uh, But I, I I think I'm with you. You know, I don't have the concerns about the defense because the offense is so good. Uh, But also KP's defense is better than he's going to get credit for. Well, so So, because he's not a prototypical, you know, like uh, rim protecting big. He's well, not Rudy he is, Gobert, but I'm saying he's not prototypical like he can do oh, more oh, yes. Than, yes. than just he's not as good at protecting the rim as Rudy Gobert, but he's better on the perimeter than Rudy Gobert. So right. it's, it's like the good enough that. Yeah, right. He's good enough at enough things on defense that he doesn't kill you. And he, he actually can protect the rim. Uh, it's just he's better as like a weak side guy rather than, you know, defending in the pick and roll. Um, right. Which is fine. You know, like you can figure out ways to make that work. Carlisle's a really great coach. And, and obviously, what they're doing on the offensive end is so much more important than, you know, than their struggles on the defensive end. They're able to overcome it.
0: And, and so the argument I kind of made um, so I broke it down into three things. One, one is injuries, and, and we can just touch on that so briefly. You know, he's going to stay healthy or he isn't, but an ACL injury is not the end of the world an ACL injury is a, it's very reputable we know exactly how to treat it I it doesn't hamper people's for the rest of their careers unless they suffer another serious knee injury um, like Derek Rose like Michael Redd like people like that and a singular ACL injury almost never you know ruins a career unless you're in your 30s or unless it's a series of injuries so you know maybe he doesn't stay healthy. We can't. We we don't know. But I think that is. But I think we don't know
1: that about any player though. Exactly. Yeah. There, it's there's just, no needs. Right. There's no yeah. need to
0: think that he is some kind of broken injury. I, I put a lot of historical data in the piece, and I think you know you're just gonna have to go read that. Like uh, it, yeah. Beyond that, we we just don't know. Um. Mm-hmm. So in terms of him as an actual player, uh, basically what I was saying is his defense um, whether it, whether it needs to get better or whether it's just what it is right now is good enough. It's his defense. That's going to put him on the path to being that second best player. And I say that because, um, he's not your prototypical second star, you know, he's not the Dwayne Wade to LeBron James in Miami or the Kyrie Irving to LeBron James in, in Cleveland. Um, he's much more of a clay Thompson like player. Klay Thompson never averaged more than 22 points. Uh, has has never averaged more than 22 right. points. But Klay right. Thompson was the second best offensive player on you know those those first two teams before KD got there. Um, mm-hmm. You know you can make arguments that Mond was more important in terms of what he did for the offense. Mm-hmm. But there's there's no doubt that you know in terms of his scoring, Klay Thompson was the second best player. And I think that Porzingis will never be a peak isolation player. He's never going to be um, you know that that type of guy who goes and. You know he can go get you a bucket, but so can a lot of players like you're not gonna put you're not gonna you know form your offense around him as a creator you're gonna form it around him as a finisher and I know we talked about this so much like we yeah. I've, I've said the word seven three clay Thompson way too many times. I'm sure people are just annoyed by me bringing it up yet again but i I think it's I think it's a good way well, to think about him just because he is a finisher and he is right he just you put him in scenarios where he's gonna go put in a bucket, hit a bucket, hit a jumper, et cetera et cetera. And that's that's you know maybe a little bit worse than you would want from your quote unquote second best player, but because he also has that defense to fuel him, I think he can be the undisputed second best player on a title team. You will you need to get a, a third player who who does some more offensive things that that you know fills you know fills a void that that the team has that that has a you know player with a specific archetype that they're missing. Yeah, but but I think he can be the undisputed second best player on a championship team. And, and that's pretty much the argument I lay out in, in the story I write.
1: The one thing I'll say that you're selling him a bit short on is okay. his position. So, um, you know, he is a big, but he's a wing big, which is very, very valuable in the NBA. And so this is where I think you could you could actually slot him a place above Clay Thompson as far as importance to the team. Because Clay can attack a, a closeout. Right, he he likes to attack it, pull up in the mid range, whatever. Um, but it's more effective when KP does it because his handle for a guy his size is actually pretty solid, and he is so much quicker and, and you know has that quick first step compared to the the guys that are usually going to guard him. So the value of having him out on the wing is a little bit higher than than Clay. And and, and this is not I'm not calling him better player than Clay. I'm just saying for the league and for the way this team is set up, I actually think he's a little bit more important than Clay was for that Warriors team uh, because his load is also going to be higher and just virtue of value of the way he plays uh, compared to other people in his position. So, um, you know, his ability to get to the hoop on his own uh, and attack a closeout I think is very important. So, I mean, this team, listen, everything they do going forward should be based around we have our number one. We have our number two. How do we fill in the gaps? What right. gets us to a championship? Who do we need? And, and, you know, I think a lot of that is pretty clear. Like at this point, we've got enough film on KP. We got enough film on Luka to understand their weakness, weaknesses and strengths. And now it's all about accentuating the strengths and, and trying to
0: cover up for the weaknesses. If, if KP and Clay were equal offensive talents, not making that argument, just 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 purely based off their position, KP would be more valuable. If Clay and KP are equal defensively, KP is more valuable purely based off of the position. It is harder to get those skill sets at his position. And, and thus, it's more valuable to, to the team structure. Um, but I think that's a good place to end it. Um, we'll be back next week in some capacity, talking about something. We always talk about something. I, I can promise you that. Uh, Dave, thanks for hopping on. Kent, thanks for producing. And we will see you next week. Oh my oh, God! Oh! oh, shut it down! Oh, no! Let's go! Home!
1: <laughs> it's a wrap, guys. Man, that is a wrap.